0: On this Jubilate Sunday, having to do with our jubilation, the fourth Sunday in Easter, the Old Testament is recorded in Second Kings chapter 4, beginning verse 15.
1: Then Elisha said, Call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my lord, she objected. Don't mislead your servant, O man of God. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. My head, my head, he said to his father. His father told a servant, carry him to his mother. After the servants had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, The boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay upon the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out upon him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out upon him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi, and said, Call the Shunammite. And he did. When she came, he said, Take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. Here ends the Old Testament. The epistle reading is recorded in 1 Peter, the first chapter, beginning with the third verse. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Here ends the epistle.
0: We stand in honor of the Holy Gospel.
1: The Holy Gospel according
0: to St. John chapter 20 beginning the 19th verse On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews Jesus came and stood among them and said Peace be with you After this he said after he said this he showed them his hands and his side the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Here ends the Holy Gospel. Okay, if you're little, but I want you to have good, strong voices today. What if I had the older people shout at this point? Would that be good? What if we chanted, come on, kids, come on, kids, come on, kids, come on, kids, come on. You see, Lutherans are not very good at this. Today's Sunday has an ancient name. It's called jubilate. It means to rejoice. But that's maybe not the best word. What it really means in the ancient language is shout real loud the Yubel which is a strange Hebrew word for praise God, really loudly. How's that sound? Good! Good! I'm going to give you a chance to yell. I'm pretending I'm a guy from the newspaper, and I'm out to get opinions of people, and what they can do. Oh, now you say nothing. <laughs> Charlie, is there anything you'd, li- you'd like to yell about? No. Does anybody want to yell about anything? Oh, good. <sighs> yell all you want.
1: Ah!
0: Okay, what are you yelling about? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. <laughs> About?
1: Jesus is risen. There you
0: go. Jesus is risen. Yeah. The early church liked to do that a lot. They would yell. Maybe not like that. But they weren't shy. Many of you were shy today. You didn't want to say anything. Well, hopefully, after we're done, you'll want to loudly tell other people that what? Jesus is risen. Yahshua, you betcha. Okay, you can go back out now. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. On this Shout Out Loud Sunday, the Gospel reading is from John chapter 20, as we read before. John has his account. We'll find out why we have something to shout about. But there's also Luke's account which tells us what was also going on. You've already heard the reading from John. Listen carefully to the little account in Luke. And as the disciples were saying this, Jesus himself suddenly stood among them, and they were startled and terribly frightened, and thinking that they were looking at a spirit, then Jesus said to them, Why are you so upset, and why do questionings arise in your hearts? Look carefully at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And while still disbelieving for joy, And wonder, he then said to them, Do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it right in front of them. When I looked at that alternate account, I think there was some yelling. Luke tells us that they're behind locked doors, locked with a big bar. No one was going to get in to hurt them. They were terrified of the Jewish authorities. The Greek tells us, in Luke's account especially, that one moment they're there minding their own business when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, in the blink of an eye, Jesus is suddenly there. The Greek word just simply means one moment he's not, the next moment, there he is. No knocking on doors, no sneaking in through secret passageways. He just is suddenly there. Or did I say that wrong? Where was he? He was there, but all of a sudden he makes himself visible to them. And to use American parlance, He scared the bejeebers out of them. They're greatly terrified, thinking that they're seeing a spirit, or we would use the term ghost. Spirit is more effective. For the Jews had the notion that when you die, there will come a spirit to take you from this life, a spirit or angel. The Jews thought if you're a good person, a nice angel will come and take you to heaven. But if you're a bad person, a demon will come and take you to hell they're thinking that this is judgment day they're all going to die whether or not they're thinking of heaven or hell is beside the point at this juncture I think with the words that are used in both John and Luke they let out a very loud cry not a happy one but something more like ah Was that loud enough I can do it again Because they're coming face to face with their end, a spirit, a powerful one. It's going to be heaven or hell. The world that we live in now is not worried about dying. The world that we live in thinks as long as we have good pharmaceuticals, it's not a bad deal. They think they're getting free from all earthly troubles, but they have little or no notion anymore of any concept of judgment of heaven or hell. Americans are at their ease. They're not worried about any of that kind of stuff anymore, that old religion business. Hence, so many Americans now, upwards of 60% of the population, do not bother with church at all. They might say they're religious, whatever that means, but in terms of being Christian or listening to God's Word, no. They don't need it. The whole matter is not scary to them anymore. Well, the whole point of the gospel reading is not that God is scaring them. Luke is telling us that he wants them to make sure that they know he is physically risen. Let's see, who shall we pick on? I could go and pick out the the new visitors, but that wouldn't be fair. No. (laughs) Art, front and center. Yeah. Yeah, just stay right there. If one moment Art wasn't here, and the next moment Art was here, sitting next to Donna, that would catch your attention, right? And you might say, "Is that really art in the flesh and blood?" Luke is a physician. The words that he's using are technical medical terms, as if, "If you fell out of a tree, art." I wouldn't bounce You wouldn't bounce. No. And you said, "Ooh, my arm hurts." They didn't have X-rays. But a doctor was trained to have your hold out your arm, and he would. Do a manual exam, and he'd watch your face. Ouch! Yeah, let's do that again. What <laughs> a trained doctor could tell that maybe you fractured I it can or. Tell you're not a trained doctor. No, I'm not. You now you throw me off. I'm not. A but I mean, you're here. Yes. You're physically here, and that's what Luke wants to get across. This Jesus, whom they thought was a ghost or a spirit, he's physically there. And he invites them to come and touch him. Touch me and feel me because not me, you. <laughs> a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. Okay, very good art. See what happens when you, you visit? You're safe. <laughs> That could have been something to shout about, too, except they're still behind closed doors. And if you think it gets better, it doesn't. Because we're told that a whole week later, again the disciples are all together, and the doors are still locked, barred. The fact that Jesus is risen is not enough to get them out of their nice, safe condition. They still like the barred doors. I submit to you that that's still us. According to our human nature, we don't really want to get in trouble for our Christian faith. Locked barred doors are good. Do you know there's a controversy about that right here? Are any of you afraid of interlopers coming into the church service this morning? Ken says no, but he's probably carrying. Uh Uh-oh. We made a resolution sometime back that uh, the ushers are going to guard you from the west side. If anybody comes in, those big guys are going to tackle them. But there's that door to the north side that's supposed to be locked for security purposes. Now, does that make you feel better? Well, it's supposed to. Nobody's going to get in here and cause any trouble with us, right? This desire to be safe and secure is a natural one. We often take earthly measures to try to make sure that nothing bad is going to happen to us, and that's not all bad to do. But ultimately, that issue is not in our hands. It's in God's hands. This account, therefore, in John 20 is not about locked doors and such things. but The fact that we can get in trouble if we shout the reason for this text. And what is it? Can you hear that? A little? Tease. A little better. I think these are meant to go on a Christmas tree. There's two of them. What we can shout about has to do with what is called the office or authority of the keys. That authority is given to Christ Church on Easter evening. It's the authority to either forgive or to not forgive. Sin. if you look in the beginning of marks gospel after the initial stories about the baptism jesus had and john the baptist remember the account of the man who is paralyzed his friends lower him through the roof it's the first full account in the gospel of mark and it is a deadly account as for what's going to be happening because we're told that jesus said take heart Your sins are forgiven. Forgiveness of sins. But the Jewish officials are there, and they are grumbling. The Greek word means they are planning a death or sedition. Someone's going to die for that because they start grumbling, who is this man? Who does he think he is? Who has the authority and power to forgive sins? And if they could have yelled it, they would have but God alone. What Jesus was doing by announcing forgiveness on His authority is the final thing that's going to get Him killed. Who does He think He is anyway? But He's the only one that has the power and authority to actually forgive sins. Now as Lutherans we may think, well, I'm used to that all the time. Not that I'm going to encourage a lot of it, but you should visit some other places, maybe, you know, once or twice. Not a whole lot. I challenge you to listen to what's said at the time of the confession of sins in so many churches that that don't have the background and the good, good news that Luther discovered. You may confess your sin a lot. You may go into a lot of angst and trouble and shedding of tears about your sins. But listen if you hear anything about actually being forgiven. Really, if you're on a trip this summer, stop into some other church and try to listen to it. See if you can hear it. At best you're going to hear some nice Bible verse, maybe John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son maybe you'll hear a verse about forgiveness but those verses are never specifically attached to you at best they say God is forgiving but in the back of our minds we always want to know do you mean me am I actually forgiven am I given an assurance of absolution that my sins are actually taken away very scarce. There's even some Lutheran churches that have become so embarrassed about the office of the keys that they don't use it. They never announce any forgiveness of sins. I have had the privilege these past 33 years here, in effect, to make this joyful sound of forgiveness. doesn't depend upon me you're not listening to me by my authority I'm nothing but as Luther said a bag of bones but by Christ's authority I'm announcing to you the full and complete forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit how do we know that an average nobody with not even a German name in a German Lutheran congregation has any authority to say this. If you look at the story throughout the New Testament, Jesus in Matthew 16 seems to be saying just to Peter, you are Peter. And then he talks to him about, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. Whoever sins you keep, are not forgiven. Rome says that means that the Pope alone has the authority. No one else has it. But yet two chapters later Jesus is talking to all the disciples. The question is who is he talking to? Just the twelve? A bigger group? Who is this? He uses the very same words but uses the plural. Whosoever sins, you or as they say down south, y'all. Forgive, they are forgiven. Whoever's sins you retain, y'all retain, they are retained. Obviously, it can't just be Peter. But is it just the apostles, just the twelve? Thankfully, we have the Gospel of John. He's very careful at this point. Who is it that shows up on Easter evening? Is it just the twelve? He uses instead the term disciples. John is very careful for us to understand by his usage of these two different terms that disciples include all of the followers of Jesus. All of them, including men like Nicodemus or Mary Magdalene. Any and all who are following are the ones he is speaking to. He gives, therefore, the office of the keys not just to a pastor. Keys, yeah. But to you. Now, some of you may have some trouble with that. Oh, even little people. Keys, right? Do you realize that you have the authority in the name of Christ, that you have this power to announce to people who are sorry for their sins, want God's forgiveness, that you have the right and full authority to assure them, just as sure as if Christ himself had made that assurance? Does that scare you a little bit? But that's what you have. If mommy makes some cookies, Okay, or grandma and they say don't anybody eat those cookies they're for a special party but daddy walks in he sees the cookies he puts his hand in the jar and starts to take the cookies and what if you catch him what if you say no daddy you can't steal the cookies should he listen to you Yes, even the little ones have that kind of power and authority. Now, that's, of course, the locking key. But at the same time, Daddy says, I'm sorry, I'll put him back. What would you tell Daddy? It's okay. That's as close as we're getting to the announcement of forgiveness. Little ones who understand that basic truth then can properly use the authority of the keys. And I want you to understand this morning, this is something that you really can shout about. Not only that you have the forgiveness of sins, as though Christ himself had spoken it to you, but you have this wondrous authority and privilege to talk to other people about their wrongs, but especially about forgiveness because when they recognize their wrong and want God's mercy, all of us have that kind of authority to share it with all those around us. And that is the reason for jubilate, to shout about God's mercy and forgiveness. Let's see, we'll try this one more time. I'm going to count to three and then you're all going to shout, please do, you're going to shout, amen, ready, I'll back up, one, two, three, amen, amen, amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.